Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. I want to welcome you to Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley. I'm with you for the next hour, and I'm here ready to take your questions and your prayer requests. You just heard the number to call, and that is 303-690-3000. So grab one of those open lines. I'd love to talk to you about the Word of God. Maybe you have a question uh, that your devotions and Bible reading, or perhaps you heard a sermon uh, has brought up. I'd love to try to bring some clarity and understanding as we search the Word of God together. Perhaps you got a question about Christian living or some of the current events that are going on around us. How does that affect us as Christians? And how should we respond to it? Um, but let's talk about the Lord. Let's talk about the things of the Lord and the Word of the Lord as we uh, have our um, show here today. So 303-690-3000 is the number to call. It is great to be able to grab one of those open lines right now so you can get online, and I'd be uh, just blessed to be able to talk to you about um, the things of the kingdom and of the Lord. There is a text line. You can text in your question at 720-336-0897, and I'd love to take those uh, questions as well uh, as uh, you text in those questions. I'm also here to take your prayer requests. If you uh, have uh, prayer needs, I'd love to talk to you about um, you know, the scriptures to encourage you um, that might uh, relate to your prayer requests and then be able to just lift you up to the Lord. And you have all the listeners that are going to join in as well. I want to welcome all the Grace FM listeners along the Front Range in Colorado and up into Wyoming, 101.7 in southern Colorado, as Pueblo and Fountain and Colorado Springs. I'd love to hear from you guys there, and then also uh, to be able to uh, talk to you guys at 89.7 from Castle Rock up into southern Wyoming. So give me a call, 303-690-3000 is the number to call, and I'd love to be able to, um, again, answer your questions on today's show. Text line 720-336-0897. And as we get started here, uh, I want to welcome also the Grace, uh, not only the Grace FM listeners, but Hope FM uh, on the East Coast. Uh, you too can call at this time and uh, get on the air. That number will work for you. And uh, you are a week delayed in your program. So the neat thing about that is that you can call in, ask a question, we can have our conversation, and then you get to listen to it next week. Uh, as it will be broadcast on the East Coast on Hope FM. Also, online listeners, that number will work as well, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Stephen in Fountain. Stephen? Hello? How are you, Stephen? How are you? Um, I'm doing pretty well. I got off work, and I had a question because it comes on at 4. Yeah, yeah. great. Good timing. Um, Yeah. So my question is on three different scriptures. Um, 
It's uh, John four twenty three twenty four. Let me get there. Romans eight fourteen, and First Corinthians fourteen uh, fifteen. Um, okay. Now I've been studying because I've been hearing a lot of different things about like tongues and stuff like that, and so I decided I was going to study something a little bit okay. more. Um, okay. And in John chapter four twenty three, uh, where it's basically like uh, the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshippers worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, uh, right. for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. <clears throat> and twenty verse twenty four, uh, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him, or sorry, worship in spirit and truth. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul's talking about speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit and, um, and also that type of stuff, and, like, praying and singing in the Spirit and going over to Romans 8.14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so it kind of put me in, like, a spot yesterday um, and a little okay. bit today where I, because I can't speak in tongues, but it's like... I was seeing that as saying, like, being able to speak in tongues and pray and sing in it is a requirement for salvation. Well, no, it's not, first of all. One of the things of the, you know, worship in spirit and truth, or you can, you're going to see more verses, like in Galatians, to walk in the spirit um, Uh and and things like that. there is our spiritual lives. And when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, um, she is, you know, talking about the Jacob's water, you know, the well there. Jesus is talking about living water that um, that he has to give. And so she's asking the question as you lead up, and I know that you've read it, is that you guys worship in Jerusalem, we worship here, the Samaritans were worshiping at Mount Garrison, right? And so there was a place that they had to go to worship. You went to Jerusalem, you offered the sacrifices, you went there to the temple worship, and then they went to Mount Garrison. And what Jesus is saying to her, there's going to be a time where we can worship wherever we're at. We can worship in spirit and in truth, because when Jesus died on the cross, um, he cried out, it is finished. Matthew's narrative tells us that the veil was rent in two, and and so the message was given, open house. Now you can come into the presence of the Father. That was the, as the book of Hebrews says, the shortcoming of the Old Covenant, that it didn't bring us into the presence of God. Only the high priest could go in once a year in the Day of Atonement for a short time. So Jesus is talking about uh, um, that the hour is coming when um, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you'll worship the Father. You're going to worship him in spirit wherever you are. You're going to be able to come. And, and one of the things that the cross did, Stephen, was not only did it provide salvation, forgiveness of sin, but it brings us into right relationship with the Father. It only comes through Jesus Christ. Now, when you go to 1 Corinthians, you're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. Okay? And there are gifts that he distributes. And um, it's a it's a very important study for you to look at 
as you read uh, chapters 12, 13, and 14. And he says there that um, there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit, diversity of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then he goes through the gifts of the Spirit. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So there's the gift of tongues. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that tongues is man speaking to God, giving praises to God. Not everybody has the gift of tongues. Um, yeah, because we learn do, do all prophesy, do all speak in tongues, do yeah, all exactly. healings or whatever. Yeah, it's a rhetorical question, right? Do all interpret, yeah. but earnestly desire the best gifts, and and he says, I'll show you a more excellent way, and that is what? That is love. So not everybody speaks in tongues, and there are those who will teach that you have to speak in tongue in order to be saved. It's not true. We are saved by what? Stephen. Grace. By grace. grace. We're saved by grace. Yeah, we're saved by grace through faith. It is faith alone in Jesus Christ. And whenever you hear somebody come along and say, well, it's up to you. You got got to, you know, worship on this day. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to be baptized. You've got to speak in tongue. Then what they're saying is Jesus' death on the cross is not sufficient for salvation. So that's the first thing. So you know, not everybody speaks in tongues, um, and not everybody is going to um, have that gift, even though they may ask for it, because he distributes those gifts individually as he wills. It is the Lord that gives those gifts. It is the Lord that distributes it according to his will. So speaking in tongue is not evident of being filled with the Spirit or walking in the Spirit. What is evidence of walking in the Spirit? What I see is chapter 12, is walking in love. And then also in Acts chapter 1, you can mark that down, that Jesus said that for his disciples to be in Jerusalem, for the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, epi, uh, to give you the power to be my witnesses. Um, So the empowering, the baptism, the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to uh, call um, you know, that uh, that work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to empower us to live a life for Him and, you know, to empower us, um, that word doodlemos is used in Acts chapter 1, to, to be a witness for Him. Not necessarily we're going to go out and witness, but you're going to be a witness. And we are a witness not only with the words we speak, but the way we live our lives. So um, hopefully that brings some clarity to you. A little bit, yeah. Um, another quick question on that, mm-hmm. um, and talking about how oh crap, I lost it. Oh no, well, I'll probably call back and or whatever, or another day for that question. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you know, just keep looking at it, read those very carefully, and then mm-hmm. uh, feel free to call back with that. But the one thing I want to reiterate to you is that um, the gifts of the Spirit are given according to His will. The the gifts of the tongue. Um, I believe is is um, I believe in the validity of the gifts of the spirit um, that they're available for us, and it is man um, speaking to God. You see that in the Book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost, they were singing praises to God. When the Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius and his family, 
there in Acts chapter 10, I believe, that you see that they were given praises to God. So it is man speaking to God. It, it, it is one of the gifts. The rest of the gifts of the Spirit edify the body of Christ. The, the gift of tongues edifies oneself. And um, so that's what the gift of, of tongues, um, it edifies oneself. It is praising um, God in the Spirit um, and uh, praising God um, in, in, um, with that gift uh, man speaking to God, singing the praises of God, but not everybody has that gift. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay, Stephen. Uh, yeah, look at it. Feel free to call back and any other questions you might have. All right. Cool. Thank you. You bet, Stephen. God bless you. Good question. All right. Thank you. All right. You bet. Have a good evening. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Let's go to Chris in Westminster. Chris. Hello. I'm here. How are you? How are you today? Good. You got a question for me? I do, and I'm not really sure how to word it. Okay. We'll do our best, all right? Are you with me, Chris? I don't know if Chris just dropped off. She's just about ready to ask that question. Okay. Chris, if, if you can hear me, somehow you dropped off. And um, call back, and we'll pick you up again. But let's go to Violetta in Greeley. Violetta? Hello, how, how, how are you doing? I'm good, Violetta. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I have a question about um, um, uh, Roman chapter 11, like verse 11, 11. And uh, I was wondering what that means about the engrafted branches or something or whatever that whatever it speaks. Uh, um, I'm not sure how to how to understand that how to understand that verse where you know where it says about the. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, gee. Well, let me give you some understanding, Violetta, okay? Because I, I got a little bit of uh, familiar with the chapter, and it really goes along with uh, chapters uh, 9 and 10. Uh, Paul begins to talk about Israel, and in chapter 11, you know, he's talking about the past, Israel's past in chapter 9. He talks mm -hmm. about the present in chapter 10, and then chapter 11 he talks about Israel's future. And Paul starts out the, the chapter by saying, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. That's strong language. No way. And he, he begins to explain that God has a plan for Israel. Um, and um, in that plan, he goes in verse 11, um, does Israel's stumbling, uh, he talks about it, um, that they should fall, certainly not, but through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So we see that, for the most part, that the Jews rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Not all of them. Um, he says blindness has come in part to Israel, not a full blindness, but salvation. There are some Jews, even today, in, in the last 2,000 years, that have recognized that Jesus is their Mashiach. But what he's saying mm -hmm. in verse 11 is this, that through that, God had a plan also for the Gentiles, and that is to provoke them to jealousy. 
that the religiousness of Judaism and and all of this, the the Gentiles were going to be brought into salvation. They were going to be brought into, um, and that's one of the things that Paul really writes about in the New Testament. You uh, that were afar off, he writes in the book of Ephesians, have been brought near now, even though they didn't have the the covenant, even though they didn't have the law, even though they didn't have the temple and all of this, but the Gentiles are experiencing salvation as as well. And here's kind of an example that when I went to Israel, um, one, a good uh, friend of mine who became a good friend, he um, grew up Jewish. Uh, He was actually a colonel in uh, the Israeli army, and he was talking to me. We were having a dinner and he talked about how um, he began to to meet with some Christians. And when he did, he realized what they had, just true joy and, and grace that they uh, were experiencing and expressing that was coming from them uh, because they had freedom in Christ, they had a love for Christ, and he said, I wanted that. I wanted that. I didn't want just the religiousness. And so that's kind of what Paul is talking about. He's talking about that we as Christians, and we can say that uh, not only, you know, for we as Christians to the Jews, but to anyone, that we are a light to them, provoke them to jealousy. And what that means is that I want people to look at me and be able to say, you have something that I desire. You have true peace. You have joy. You have, um, you know, true wisdom, godly wisdom. And that's provoking them to jealousy. So that's so kind of what Paul is saying. So it's talking about. So you're saying is is that that Paul is actually talking about people from the Israel's the where their where their faith and everything and is that what you're saying about their faith that comes in and and well, how we yeah. He says, through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And and so, you know, Jesus spoke about it in parables, that this this thing, salvation, this thing, church, would be extended to, to the Gentiles. But we also know that Paul says at the end of the chapter, and this is really important, and we probably don't have time to go into it today, Violetta, but okay. he says, but what um, he says that there's going to be a time when the fullness of the Gentiles come in, that all of Israel is going to be saved. So there is a time when um, the Lord's going to come, and and the Jews are going to recognize him as their Messiah. Their eyes are going to be open, and um, all of Israel will be saved at that time. And that's a study for another time that um, we probably don't that, have time what, to go into. What about it? Okay, so what about us? Is that... Even though they'll be saved, is that going to be the same thing with us, or is that? Just- yeah, listen, we're all saved by coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so okay. that brings salvation. So Gentiles, that's that's just a word that means non-Jews. That's all it simply oh, okay. means. It's, okay, okay, all right. So now I have right. another. I have another one too. Um, okay, on Acts fourteen. I don't know if you, if I have time for that. Okay, we'll we'll make it real quick. Acts okay, fourteen. Okay. Go ahead. Yes, Acts fourteen talks about the in commune Paul and Barn. What is it? The Barn of I. I what what verse are you looking? One. 
went as usual as unusual into the Jewish the synagogue or something. There they spoke so effectively. I I don't know. I don't want to get. I don't want to go too far because I okay. know you said that that we only have a little bit left. But uh, <laughs> so, do you have a verse for me that you're thinking of? Okay, I'm think uh, verse fourteen to seven. Okay, in in chapter fourteen, verse seven that we read, and they were preaching the gospel there. What they were doing is they were going on their first missionary journey, and what they did in the missionary journeys is they would first go into the synagogue when there was a synagogue there, and and they would preach the gospel. So that's what they're doing, you know. Um, and then they would go to the Gentiles, the, the you know non-Jews. So you see that pattern with Paul. All right? Okay. That Thanks, was all Violetta. I wanted to know. Keep studying the scriptures. You're doing good, okay? Okay, God bless you. 303-690-3000. Let's go back to Chris. Chris from Westminster. Are you there, Chris? I am here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I lost you there. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> my, it's a basic question. Um, uh-huh. If somebody passes away and you don't know their true spiritual knowledge or acceptance, um, do I, as a Christian, have the hope and the faith that I'll see him again? Well, you know, we're not the judge. Um, you know, um, right. it's like sometimes I'll do a memorial service, and the question is, were they a believer or not? And at times it's like, well, we don't know if they were a believer. Um, so, you know, it's, it's um, if they're in Christ— then we will see him again when we go to heaven, okay? Um, If they are not in Christ, then they go to to where they're going to be separated um, from Christ, and there is eternal damnation that will come to them. So is that kind of what you're poking at? Uh, I'm kind of hoping that's not the case, but... Well, here's the thing, Chris. Uh-huh. Here, here, here's the thing, Chris. Hell is very real, and and those who reject Jesus Christ, there's no purgatory. There are those who say, "Well, what about purgatory?" That's not biblical at all. Jesus made it very clear that those who believe in Him, He said, "If you believe that I am He, then then you're going to be saved. You're you're going to be forgiven." and we have the hope of heaven. Salvation comes to us. Those who do not believe in him and receive him, there is eternal separation, and hell is real. So that is something that the Bible is very, very clear on. Um, We're all going to go into eternity. It's whether you're going to go with Jesus, and salvation comes through him alone, or whether it is separated from him. And you see, sometimes there's mixed messages in the church of, well, there's salvation by other means. Yeah, if you believe in another religious leader or if you are good enough, those things don't bring salvation. There's only one hope, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. And, and I, I hope you understand that. And that's why we are so determined to give the gospel here. That's why Jesus went to the cross to die for sinful humanity. 
And when he was on that cross, um, he cried, it is finished. I paid the price. When he was in the garden, he prayed, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And in that, Jesus was saying this, that, um, that if it is possible for any man, for any woman, to come to salvation apart from me taking on the cup of suffering and death, then I, I don't need to go to the cross. And because he willingly went to the cross and took on the cup of suffering and death, that it shows us that Jesus is the only way. He said, I am the way. He did not say he is a way. So, Chris, I want you to understand that that those who are in Christ, who have given their lives to him and received him as Lord and Savior, will go on to heaven uh, to be with him. Um, Those who have rejected him will not. And, And that's, you know, the good news, bad news. But that's the truth of what God's Word declares. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Okay, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Josh in Windsor. Josh? Yep, how you doing? Good, how are you, Josh? I'm doing really well. Good. Uh, so I have a question. Uh, I've been studying First Corinthians, and I was reading First Corinthians 9 this morning, and 9 through 15 kind of, I don't understand. Like, I understand that Paul's talking about um, his pattern of self-denial is like the title, but I don't know why he starts like, am I not an apostle? Like, what? I don't know why he asked that. <laughs> why he asked what? Say that again. Am I, I quite... am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Like, I don't. I don't know what he's trying to say or why he's saying well, these things. Right. What what he's doing is it kind of goes along with chapter eight. Chapter eight is um, that he is uh, talking about the the um, and this is First Corinthians chapter nine. You're talking about. Yes, sir. He he's talking about um, things offered to idol, um, and he starts chapter eight by saying that um, you know now concerning things offered to idol because in the book. Of Corinthians, what they did is they wrote him some questions. Right. This was a church that that was very dynamic. It was a church, though, that was struggling with different issues because a lot of people were coming out of paganism and idol worship. So there was a problem of that, um, you know, Christians that would go down to the pagan temple, and as pagan worshipers came and offered sacrifices. What they did is they uh, would give part of the sacrifice to the priest and, and part to the idol, and then part of it ended up being sold uh, in a marketplace. Mm-hmm. So Christians were going down there to get a good deal on meat. You know, it, it was being sold there. Because back there, you have to remember, they didn't have King Supers. They <laughs> right. didn't have Walmart, you know. So to get a good deal, like any of us would want to do, some felt compelled to do that. So meat offered to idols, you you have your Christian friends come over. They ask you, where'd you get this good meat? Well, I got it down at the pagan, you know, market uh, at where they have pagan worship. That was a problem. It stumbled some of the believers. So right. he's talking about our liberty. He's talking about all of that. And he's talking about a, a pattern of self-denial in chapter 9 as well. And in he he goes on and he says, am I not an apostle? Uh, in other words, um, as he's pleading with the brethren, he doesn't want division to be among them. And what he says for the s- 
sake of sensitivity and love that if you know you have meat that's offered to idols it's going to stumble another brother and sister and you don't want that to happen and when he mm-hmm. says am i not an apostle here's the thing sometimes the corinthians kind of held paul out at arm's length and he's telling of his apostolic authority once again okay. um he's actually talking about also being um able to be supported in ministry so uh, Josh, you hear the music. What I want you to do is, if you wouldn't mind holding, and then we'll be back in about two minutes, all right? Okay, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Biggs. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And I want to welcome you back to the second half of Calvary Live. I am Jeff Biggs, pastor of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado. And uh, we've had some good questions, some good calls in the first half of the show. And so I was talking with Josh. I want to go right back to him. Josh, you still with me? Josh, you still there? Yep, I'm here. Okay, so Josh, in that chapter, as I was talking about, he, he begins the chapter, as you know, by uh, declaring his his uh, status and right as an apostle. Then mm-hmm. he, he in verses 3 through 6, uh, asserts his rights as an apostle, but also then he says in verses 7 through 14, the section that you're looking at, right. that Paul had the right to be supported by those he ministered to. And the point that he then sums up the chapter with is that he would give up that right so that there isn't any division, so he didn't stumble anybody. Uh, his reward was to preach without relying on the support of any man, verses 15 through 18. So that's what he's talking about. He He's talking about his flexibility in ministry. He's talking about that... Um, that he gave up his right, and that's the interesting thing about the Corinthians. He continued to to make tents. He didn't want to stumble or give the impression that he was peddling the Word of God. So he's just talking about the liberty that, yeah, I have the right to be supported, uh, but I've chosen for you Corinthians to give up that right, and um, and even though I have the right to be supported in ministry— um, uh, and to preach without relying on the support of any man. So that's really what he's saying in that chapter. Okay, so it's more of just a continuation from 8 when he says, yeah. like, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never eat meat again. So in that, he's yeah. also continuing to say, and I have the right to all these things, but I choose not to do them for you. Right, and and see, that's, I think, an important, Josh, message to the Church, because we may have the freedom to do something, but is it going to stumble that brother or sister mm-hmm. in the Lord? And right. he's saying, listen, if it's going to stumble, I won't eat meat. Um, he, he starts out by kind of saying that, you know, hey, don't ask, don't tell. You know, if, if your brother asks you open over, don't ask where the meat is from. Um, but then he goes on and he says, you need to be sensitive to the believer's and um, and just avoid any divisions, because what was one of the problems in First Corinthians that you saw at the beginning of the epistle? 
There, there was divisions. Uh, yeah, sexual morality and well, that was part of it. But yeah, exactly. There was a lot of problems in the Corinthian church, but Josh, the very first problem that he addresses in chapter one is their division. Right, and oh, yeah. and he says you're carnal because of it. Some say I'm of Paul. Some say I'm of Cephas. Some mm-hmm. of Apollo. Some say the real spiritual ones were of Christ. So what he's trying to do for the again the the sake of unity, for the sake of love and sensitivity uh, to those who have come out of that background of idol worship and stuff, just just don't don't eat meat, you know, offer to idols in front of them because right. it may stumble them. And um, and even though I he uses the example of his self denial of being supported in ministry, I've chosen not to, so I don't stumble anybody. So that's really kind of the message that is in chapter nine, that section that you're talking about. Okay, perfect. Yeah, no, I just was wondering where he was going with that, but seeing yeah. it as a continuation makes more sense than like a separate. Yeah, thought. yeah, oh. and you know, he says, um, you know, he says that. Uh, it's interesting, as you read on, you probably already read it, that he says, and to the Jews I become as a Jew that I might win Jews, mm-hmm. and to those who are under laws under the law I might... He's talking about flexibility right. and just being sensitive and all that is really what he's talking about. So good questions, good observations in that. Yeah, yeah. thank you for your insight. You bet, Josh. All Thanks right. for well, calling in. All right. Okay, we've been busy with calls. We do have open lines, and this is Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley, and I want to invite you to call in and, and ask questions about the Bible or uh, Christian living or about current events, um, and I would uh, just uh, love to be able to talk with you and uh, be able to uh, to bring some clarity or understanding the best I know how from the Scriptures. So 303-690-3000, we do have open lines. We also have a text line for you to text in a question. It's 720-336-0897. Matter of fact, one came up. I'm going to read it. It says, I'm texting this question for my son. Did the wise man come the night Jesus was born or at a later time? And it's a very good question. And um, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 2. And it talks about the wise man coming from the east. I'm going to read it uh, to you, and uh, hopefully they'll bring some clarity. That after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, so right there we get an answer. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and have come to worship him. And when Herod and, and the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with them. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem in Judea, thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who shall shepherd my people. So anyway, Herod, he calls for those wise men. And it says in verse 11, And when they had come into the house and saw the young child, that is Jesus, with Mary his mother, they fell down and worshipped him and opened up treasures, presented gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So good question um, that is asked. Um, The wise men coming from the east came later. And in verse 11 it says, When they come into the house, it wasn't the stable, 
and uh, Jesus was probably a toddler at that time. Obviously, Joseph and Mary had found some housing after Jesus was born uh, there in this um, stable animal exclosure uh, and laid in a manger. So they would come later. One of the things, though, is as people say, well, you know, then my nativity scene isn't quite right with the wise man being there. My suggestion is maybe you can just put them on the other side of the room because they came later. But they did come. It's a wonderful story. It is something that we're probably going to be looking at at our Christmas Eve services. And um, so I want to invite you out uh, to our Christmas Eve services, those of you who live in the Greeley area, uh, four family services on Christmas weekend, 6 o'clock on Saturday evening, the 23rd, and then 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock on the 24th. Check it out on our website, calvarychapelgreeley.com. All right, let's go back to our phone lines. Let's go to Chris in Denver. Chris? Chris, are you with us? Okay. I don't know if Chris is there or we haven't connected. He had a question about, are all the Johns the same in John, First and Second John, in the book of Revelation? That's a very good question, and it is the same John. Um, John would, um, so Chris, if you're listening, it's a good question. John the Apostle would write the Gospel of John towards the end of the first century. It's the last of the four Gospels to be penned. And then um, it is believed that when he was exiled to the island of Patmos, are, are you there, Chris? I am. Are you with I me? Am. All right. Hey, sorry we lost you. So right. go go ahead and ask your question, and I started answering it, but I want to make sure I'm answering oh, the question that you had. You're answering it beautifully. Yeah, it's, uh, is John, the Gospel of John, First John, Second John, Third John, and yeah. Revelation, the same John? Yeah, it is the same John, and... Um, he wrote uh, John's Gospel. It's the last of the four Gospels to be written. Okay. And and then at the end of the first century, as he's an elderly man, this is after the other apostles uh, have been put to death, and John's the last of the living apostles. He's exiled to the island of Patmos. Now, tradition says that Domitian, the Roman emperor, tried to put him in a pot of boiling oil, but it, it didn't hurt him. So wow. he exiles him to the island of Patmos, where he received the apocalypse, that is, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so the book of Revelation is written. Then he is released after the death of Domitian, and it is believed by some that then, after that, he would write First, Second, and Third John, which would be actually the last of uh, the epistles to be written in the New Testament. And he would, as an elderly man— he is the one um, that would pastor the church at Ephesus at that time, or at least an elder there. And, and what is so fascinating about it, when you read um, the Gospels, James and John were called what by Jesus? I'm sorry, what's they that? Were called, John was called, along with his brother James, in the Gospels by Jesus, what? The Sons of Thunder, the Sons right? Thunder, right. The Sons of Thunder, right. And the reason— the reason that they were called the Sons of Thunder was, is because they wanted to call down fire um, in Samaritan. I believe that's in Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 9. They wanted to call down fire f- from heaven on a town that didn't receive Jesus. John, later in his life, he writes those 
epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the theme is love. And he became right. known as the apostle of love. And I like that. I like to make that connection because I yes. know that for for me, it's like, Lord, help me to just to grow in that love and love for others. Yeah. And, you know, you know, when I first became a Christian, I was real intense and called down fire on him and called down fire on her and, and on them. And more and more, as the Lord works in my heart, in my life, I want to give that expression of love and yeah. to emphasize love. And that's what Jesus said in that upper room when John was there, that they will know that you're my disciples for your love for one another. Love for one another, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it is the same John. He he died as an elderly man at the end of the first century, um, the last of the living apostles to go. He's the only one that they believe that wasn't martyred, uh, put to death for his faith in Jesus Christ. So kind of interesting. Oh, thank you. That was just a, a wealth of knowledge. Thank you for filling me in, and um, thank you, and may the Lord bless you. You bet. And keep studying the scriptures. It's, okay, it's we'll wonderful to get these questions. All right. Okay. Bless you, Chris. All right, 303-690-3000. And let's go to Tom in Denver. Tom? How are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? I'm good. Um, man, I feel like my question's not going to stack up against the last one. That was awesome. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I I love these questions that have been coming in, and sometimes they're challenging, but they're they're good. And you know why it blesses me, Tom? It's because people are reading their Bibles, and and that just blesses me. And I just pray that I can give some clarity or understanding to these questions. But they're all good questions, and I know that you have one as well. I'll let you ask it. Well, thank you. And I listened to your show. I caught it for the first time yesterday and rearranged my schedule so I could hear it again today. I appreciate what you're doing, so thank you. Yeah, praise um, God. It's an honor. My my question is really, I'm just confused with all the different things I hear about heaven. Who's going to go? Um, is it all one heaven? Is is everyone in the same place? Is that what's meant by many mansions? And... and um, do we just spend eternity doing nothing but worshiping and singing praises to God? You know, that that is an excellent, excellent question. And um and I think it's important for us to understand. And I'm gonna to read to you from I I believe you are making reference uh, or made a reference to John chapter fourteen, right? Yes. And for for the sake of our, our listeners, I'm gonna read it to them. It's a passage that many of us are familiar with. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. They are confused. They are troubled. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away, and where I'm going, you can't come. And and he's saying, you know, uh, one of you is going to uh, betray me. They had no idea that it was Judas. All of you are going to be made to run away, so they're troubled. So he says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas, I'm glad he asked this question. He says, you know, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, there's a lot packed into those six verses that I just read to you. But when Jesus says, listen, you don't have to be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are many mansions, okay? Now, there is a debate whether Jesus is talking about heaven, you know, literally, like some people think, you know, a mansion on Alleluia Boulevard and and Glory, you know, Street. Um, That's what he's talking about. There are scholars that, that look at this and say Jesus is really talking about that new resurrected body that we're going to get, um, that when the time's going to come, that we are going to be resurrected. Uh, Paul talks about it, and he says in Second Corinthians chapter 5, and then I'll try to sum it up for you. He says, For if we know that our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So he's talking about our new resurrected bodies. Is that what Jesus is talking about? Perhaps he is. But Jesus does give us the hope of heaven. Paul does tell us in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, I believe, um, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay? So when a Christian dies, when we take our last breath, that we are going to um, go home to be with the Lord. Um, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, it's verse 8. We are confident, yes, well pleased, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we will be in heaven, we will be all together, um, and um, we will be with the Lord at that time that we die. All right? You're, t- you're talking about before we're resurrected, we'll be with the Lord? Here, here's the thing about the resurrection, and this is where it, it, you got to kind of put your thinking cap on a little bit. The resurrection is more than just um, eternal life. It is eternal life, but... The resurrection is speaking about a new heavenly body. That in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul's talking about the resurrection. He says that there are celestial bodies and there are celestial bodies. There's earthly bodies and there's heavenly bodies. And then in verses 50 through 56, I believe, he talks about that we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and that which is corruptible shall be incorruptible. In other words, the time's going to come, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, that, that we're going to, um, at the sound of the trump, the, the uh, voice of God, the, the, um, that we're going to be resurrected, our bodies here. Now, when somebody dies, um, Tom, that we, we can have a funeral, right? Their body is in the ground or cremated, but their spirit went to be with Jesus immediately, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But the day's going to come where, where that body's going to be resurrected, and we're going to get new resurrected heavenly bodies that will last forever. And resurrection is a heavy subject. It, it's, it's an incredible subject, but we will have new heavenly bodies. So people ask, what about in the meantime? Are we just spirit? Um, do we have a temporary body? What is it? I don't know. All I know is we're going to be with Jesus, and the time's going to come, um, as First Corinthians talks about, chapter 15. Let me read it to you. That flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, in verse 50, nor does 
corruption inherit incorruption. But I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for this trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying, as it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That actually goes along with what Jesus was saying. There's an event that's going to happen that Jesus mentions here in chapter 14 of John, and also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, that is called the rapture of the church. And at the rapture of the church, as Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica about the resurrection, he said that time's going to come um, that there's going to be, and I'm going to read that to you, and I hope I'm not confusing you or overwhelming you, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, that is, they are resurrected, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord, therefore comfort one another with these words. Okay? Did I totally confuse you? <laughs> no. I, oh, I, I appreciate I, I hope that. Not. That was awesome. Yeah, it is. And so there's the resurrection. And again, to be... The main thing points for for you and all the listeners to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But Jesus, talking about in chapter 14, that I will come and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. I believe he's talking about the rapture of the church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's the rapture of the church. And then also 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed, the rapture of the church. But those who have gone on before us, then their bodies are going to be raised up, and then we're going to have new heavenly bodies. How it all works out, I have no idea. <laughs> but that's what the Bible declares. Awesome. Thank you so much. It, it, it is awesome. It is awesome. And I know it's kind of hard to explain, but um, there is a heaven. And then, not to confuse you more, Chris, that... Um, Jesus will come back at the end of the tribulation in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We will come back with him, and then there's a thousand-year reign here on this earth, and then after that thousand-year reign, you can go to Revelation chapters 21 and 22, and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, and that's going to be our final place that we're going to dwell with the Lord for all eternity. I think you've given me my next six-month study plan. <laughs> it's great. And keep studying the Scriptures, and it'll all come together. All right? Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you calling. Bye. Okay. Or Tom. Sorry, Tom. Let's go to Ray and Greeley. Ray? Ray, you with yeah. us? Yeah. Hey, Ray. Are you there? Okay, Ray was there for a minute. Ray, you there? Okay, Ray, you got a prayer request. We'll try to get with you uh, before um, it's um, we run out of time on the show. Let's go to Regina on line two. Regina, yes, sir. How are you, Regina? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. I have a mess. Uh, a uh, question on marriage. 
Uh-huh. Um, okay. Um, when is marriage marriage? And and what I mean by this is that you have. I, I understand that um, marriage has been instituted and ordained by God. I understand that. Okay. Correct. You have you have two people that get married, but neither one are saved. Okay. Then you have two people that get married. And are saved. Okay, so you have a worldly marriage, and then you have a godly marriage. So the way that I look at it is that the two people that are saved um, are under God's authority, which has been, that marriage has been instituted and established or ordained by God. Whereas the worldly marriage in in my i mean the way that i look at it but mm-hmm. i want it from way the way god will look at it yeah it would and, be and, a worldly I, I think, marriage so one is right. based on lust and one is based on love so here, when here, when does marriage okay regina somehow somehow i think i know where you're going with it and i just lost you and i'm sorry about that but the institution of marriage, uh, ordained by God, just like you said, um, the definition is given to us in Genesis chapter 2, that a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So there's a one flesh. It's a holy institution. Uh, it is something that, um, that um, God has defined, uh, instituted. It's a covenant uh, between a man and a woman. And there's no distinction in the scripture um, of if you are a believer, you're only married um, in God's eyes. I believe that uh, um, marriage, that covenant that is in, into, um, that it is marriage. And it is marriage, oftentimes you have a wedding license that is uh, signed by the state. We always do that part after I, I officiate a wedding. Um, so by the state, they are declared married, and I believe that God also declares them as married as well, and uh, whether they are believers or not. And the, the weakness of any argument that says, well, they're not really married, well, does that mean that if a married couple that they're not believers um, commit adultery, that that's not really adultery because they're not really married? I, I just I don't see that case, and I don't know if that's what you're trying to get at, Regina, but... Um, but um, they are married, and they are seen as being married, and that's the best that I can answer that. Um, we're getting towards the end of our show. I want to thank everybody. Some really good questions that have come in today and um, some challenging questions that have come in. But I just want to commend you for studying the Scriptures uh, and continue to do so, continue to grow in the Word of God. It's so important for us to do that. And um, what my prayer is that, uh, as we go into the Christmas season, uh, we uh, keep Jesus the focus of our Christmas season, and that uh, we would just marvel at the giving of um, God's Son to us. And I pray that we would um, find our peace and our rest and goodwill and joy in that. A lot that what is spoken about this time of the year are those things, and it's only found in Jesus. And um, also, I would encourage you, to take time and share that with others. Because all of us, especially right now, as we find ourselves in the beginning of December, 
We still got a few more weeks till Christmas. You're going to be gathering with coworkers. You're going to be gathering with family and friends. We have, you know, work gatherings. We have family gatherings. You may be gathering with uh, neighbors and stuff. Share with them uh, the true meaning of Christmas, the coming of Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, and that he came for a purpose, and that was to die for our sins. And he rose from the grave. He validated what he did. He's the Son of God that died for you and for me. He conquered sin and death. And there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. Uh, He proved he's the Son of God. And to be able to share that with others. And to be able to pray, Lord, help me share that message. Not only at Christmas, but after the Christmas season and as we start a new year. Because as we come to Christ, all things are new, aren't they? So that's my prayer. And my prayer is that you'll be effective in sharing that also as we get closer to Christmas Eve, we're about ready to wrap things up, is that invite somebody to Christmas Eve service. It is the time of the year where people are more open to go to church at Christmas Eve or at uh, Easter than any other time. So pray about who you might bring to your church to hear um, the gospel, to hear the good news that uh, God's Son has come, and invite them. And uh, I think that's just a wonderful opportunity for us as Christians to be able to share with others. Hey, thank you for calling in. Thank you for all the questions. We had a great show. And God bless you. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.